Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking, or if you are experiencing extreme psychological distress. Great Mountain, a podcast where we share effective tips and practices for working with adults ADD, ADHD in a natural, effective way without the use of medications. Each episode, join me, your host, Batman Saram, along with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Join Michael and myself in an interactive discussion of sharing our stories as we journey together in transforming what can be the gift of being what we call hunter types. This podcast is intended to be your audio companion to the book written by Michael, who joins me each episode where we both will strive to foster dialogue, give you our personal insights, and share both of our experiences on this similar path that we are all on. Our intention and hope is that along with the book, this podcast gives you an additional perspective as you listen to us delve deeper into each chapter of the book to give you even more tools to go along with what it is that you are reading. Visit us at drummerandthegreatmountain.com to purchase the book and look for more tools, tips, and updates, as well as giving us feedback on this podcast. Join our growing global community of creative types, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers on our shared journey. Welcome to the Drummer and the Great Mountain podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Joseph Ferguson. How are you? How's 2018 going? Uh, on today's podcast, I have a special guest today. Looking forward to speaking with her. Uh, her name is Kit Cassingham. She is a fellow life coach. And today we'll be talking about planning and scheduling tips for hunter types. Going into the new year, uh, these are essential tips that will help you manage especially your your visioning and all the goals that you set for the new year taking all of that and putting it into a form that you can follow and maintain and not just get overwhelmed and scattered and frustrated then just throw it all away which happens i've been through it I, i'm sure kid has gone through it as well so we're going to be talking about some tips that will help you um yeah get things going on the right foot moving into the new year a uh, quick announcement, as you heard me say in the last last podcast, we have another alive uh, online workshop coming up here and starting on January 3rd. Uh, a lot of you have already joined up. I want to just give it a quick plug. Uh, early bird pricing is going to be going until January 28th. So uh, if you want to get the discount, definitely get in before then. And uh, I've had a couple requests to explain how it works. 
and I realized that it was I was reading through the uh, email that I, it wasn't clear enough. So I want to be really clear, like how, like what are you actually going to experience? So we use uh, Zoom conferencing. So you'll be basically tuning in at 10 a.m. starting on January 3rd and you'll be able to hear me, you'll be able to see me, you'll be able to see the slides that I'm going through. You will also be able to hear and or see participants depending on whether or not they've shared their video. That's totally optional. So if you're concerned about see, being seen or if you like you have to participate, uh, if you want to just hang back and just listen, it's not a problem. There's always a couple people that do that. So know that that's, that's not an issue at all. Also, and a few people have asked about this, if you miss one or a couple, they are all recorded and you will be able to uh, listen to those recordings and catch up if you need to. And I also allot for time at the beginning and the end for, for questions. So if you needed to catch up from the last one, there'll be a lot of space for asking questions. So just know that that is available to you. Again, we'll be talking about um, life visioning, time management, wellness planning, and creating support systems. Those are the four days, and we'll be going uh, four Saturday, the four Saturdays in February, uh, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So you have to look up the timing for you. So if you're interested and you want to talk to some fellow hunter types and get some really good energy going into the new year, definitely check it out. It's, uh, you just go to alivelifecoaching.com. Click on the banner at the top and that'll take you to the landing page for the workshop and you can get sign up there. Or you can just go to Drummer in the Great Mountain and the banner will be at the top of that as well and you can get over to it. So hope you can join us. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at drummerinthegreatmountain.com. Okay, so without further ado, I want to introduce uh, Kit Cassingham. So she was actually with us in our last Alive Online workshop, and we had a great time, and I really enjoyed her insights as we were going through the workshop. It was really fun to have her on, and I thought it would be good to have her on the show and so we can actually go through and talk about planning tips because uh, she's got some really cool insights. So uh, Kit, to the, give, give her a little bio here, for more than 28 years, Kit Cassingham has helped professionals foster more focus, energy, and balance in their lives. As the founder of Live in Focused Energy, which is LIFE, the acronym, she helps people empower themselves to achieve their full potential through cultivating the habits that support high-performance living. That potential requires a great focus and a strong, steady energy supply, so that's central to Kit's attention. Kit lives in western Colorado with her husband, Randy Cassingham, where they are volunteer EMTs. Love that because there's actually quite a few people that have reached out from the podcast that are EMTs. Uh, and she's an e they're EMTs in a rural county in Colorado, and where Kit is also a deputy coroner. That's really fascinating. Uh, she enjoys traveling, reading, sewing, and cooking for relaxation. Their home and office views let them soak up breathtaking panoramas of two mountain ranges. Love it. Her website is livefocusedenergy.com. Welcome, Kit. Well, thank you, Michael. It's really nice to be here. So I, would, I am so happy you made it because we've been talking about this for a while. Um, so planning and scheduling tips. This is sort of the, this is a big one for us hunter types. Um, what is just before we go too deep into it? What are your like? Give me like a, a thousand foot view of like how do you see 
the utilization of like planners and and how do you how do you use them yourself in in a way that feels like usable and comfortable because i know you've been on a journey with this yourself i have been on a journey uh, and so i'll share my thousand foot view but i'll also comment on some of how my clients have reacted um i have gone through i'm, I'm on my third planning approach and basically and the one that sparked me most was your mastermind approach uh did I say that right? From the mind, alive, mind, mind, mind mapping. mapping, yes. Mind mapping uh, approach, which is to list the the action, the projects or the goals that I have. Um, I do that for the year, and then just kind of keep whittling it down, uh, quarter and month and week and day at a time. So I list the goals, the projects. Each one of them gets their action items. And then I set them into the, my my phone with alarms, which syncs with my computer. So I'm kind of reminded anywhere I am of what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, what I've had to be careful of is not trying to get think think I can get everything done in one day. Hey, I've got ten hours to work, so I'm going to put ten hours of stuff in there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's overwhelm. Yeah. So I. So I actually take your mind mapping approach and simplify it even further. I have a, a four by six spiral notebook that I use, um, and I put just three to five to-do items on the right page, and the facing pages for notes and scribbles and doodles and things. Um, and so I, I'm blending your mind map approach with this spiral notebook which i do carry everywhere oh i love it that's fantastic well so i think this is it's really important i think going into this to address the points that are the sticking points for most hunter types and so and i made a list here and i want to see what what's on your list too but I, these seem to be the big ones which is uh completing long-term projects number one on the quiz anyone wondering what the the number one most answered question is on the quiz it's completing long-term projects followed very quickly behind overwhelm which is the other note i had on too many basically i think for most of us we have too many systems in place we have too much creativity in those systems too many ideas and not enough follow-through and then lack of support those are the the ones that i note from both people that email but also life coaching clients as well as myself i mean i can say that that over time those are the things that i've really worked on to minimize but those are the big ones what about you what are what have what have you seen with the people that you've worked with and what do you think are some of the challenges in terms of planning and scheduling um i think so for me the the really rigid schedule of get up at six do this at six fifteen, do and the day that rigidly formatted which works for some people it just it um caused my brain to shrivel it just i shuddered i didn't enjoy that at all um i don't like rigid which may be an add trait huh <laughs> yes um so the that rigid linear it's a linear system that doesn't work because and that's I think that's why your mind mapping approach works. The day that I first tried it, um, 
I bounced from project to project. So I'd get something to where it needed to simmer, we'll say. And then I'd go to the other project and back. They say not to uh, multitask, but when it's written down and you're bouncing, that worked. Um, the And that's what's worked for my clients. But you said that uh, too much creativity within it didn't work for ADDers. I, for design. I think sometimes we over-design our systems to the Got point it, where yeah. they're not usable. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and I have one client who's insisting that she wants to do that creativity, and uh, but I think she's probably not using it. So she's falling into the trap that your emails have talked about. Yeah. That's an, it's a, it's an, it's like, where do you place the creativity? I think is the question. It's like to create a big enough container so that you can, I always think about it as like the organization tip of just having boxes for everything and not having, having it so rigid that you have to then sit down and file and then go, the system itself becomes overwhelming because it's too, specific and over-designed. I think that's kind of what I'm talking about. Right. Um, so another trap is that people try to, and, and I've done it now that I'm going to say this, but they try to blend a paper and electronic system. So they try to duplicate it. Um, and that doesn't work. Or they try they try to just, just do paper and not do alarms or you know, alerts on their phone. Yeah, you need a reminder. Reminders you are key, keys, keys to And if you don't want to use the phone with the, the built-in various alarms, then you have somebody follow you around saying, <laughs> okay, tap on the shoulder, time to do this. Or sticky notes my, are good. Sticky notes can work. Yes. If they're um, strategically placed. And not constantly used because eventually yeah. they, they become invisible. Exactly. That's right. It's, well, even the phone gets that way, too. It's like if you have a thousand phone reminders, then after a while, then it just becomes background noise. That's right. Just something that you have to turn off because it's annoying you. Yes. Yeah. So, the, OK, so we're on. The, this is this is good. Is there any I'm curious, is there any other challenges that you've seen from your clients that we haven't mentioned? Because those are that's a good list, I think. Um, another one is that people think I only have two or three things I need to do and I do them every week I don't need to um, pl plan this I uh, just do it. yeah but then when I touch base with them they're not so you know when it happens every Thursday and then they're scrambling Saturday night to get it done yep that's it that's a good one yeah life life got in the way yeah yeah, that's a really good one. It it's because it just it, that also became like it's like oh I do it all the time and then and and it's often the the small mundane tasks that that become that turn into giant overwhelming things that can really take hunter types down. Like I've just watched so many people that I've uh, very high level professionals who who were just consumed with like if it was a business certain things to do with admin that just killed their business because it just became yeah. completely overwhelming right because they need their, their farmer to do that admin stuff <laughs> that is the trick especially if yeah. you you run a business to be able to manage to know your limitations and right. to be able to delegate big one that's a big one well, you know, as you talk about that, Michael, it makes me think that those mundane, repetitive tasks that, you know, 
every Thursday I do this. I'm betting it gets boring for us. And that's why it gets put on the the back burner until it's pressure time. Yeah. And if they're scheduled at the wrong time as well, that's also a big one. If, oh, if, if good point. Yeah. That, I see that one becomes overwhelming a lot. Where, And we'll talk about this later about how when, when to schedule things. Because if you are thinking, and this is, here's a classic one. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to exercise, but I'm going to exercise when I get home after work, after I hang out with the kids at eight o'clock at night. That's never going to happen. I don't I don't I just know I can just stop someone there. And go, I know you're not going to do that. So don't set yourself up for failure. Like, let's figure another way. Let's shorten it and throw it somewhere in the day. Um, let's have some really good workout routines on the weekend. Let's work around it, but don't set yourself up for failure. Right. And if you do it late at night, you're not going to sleep well anyway. So don't do that. I think that, yeah, it's definitely a time for meditation and just wind down right. depending on how stressful uh, your life is, especially if you've got family and all that. That's the time where you actually have to start easing into the evening so you can actually get some sleep at the end of the night so that you're not going through the pattern of staying up late, not getting enough sleep totally exasperating all the ADHD symptoms and then going through that side. Cause then, then the next day is like 10 times worse because you're, n you're not functioning nearly as well as if you had a good night's sleep. Right. Well, this is good. That's a great list. Uh, well, let's, I, I bulleted out some points here. I mean, I think planning tools is it you kind of alluded to that before. How about we talk about, um, Methods of planning, so the physical planner and or the digital version. Let's let's discuss that. So, what has been your experience and your journey with that, and also with your clients? Like, how, tell me a little bit about what systems have worked for you. What have you tried, and what what have you landed on? And maybe you know, elaborate a little bit on what you discussed before. Okay, um, I have tried a one-page productivity planner, where I would. That's kind of like your mind map approach, but it's linear, um, where I list the projects I need to do, the people I need to be in contact with, um, and then the other projects that aren't, t aren't critical for today. So when I get today's stuff done, I can then go to those things. Um, good concept, but it was an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, so it stayed on my desk. If I wasn't at my desk, I didn't see what I needed to do. I, I do use my phone calendar a lot and always have since I got a smartphone. Um, th then you introduced me to mind mapping. And again, um, I liked it. Well, I liked it because it was not linear. And my brain loves to bounce around. Um, but again, it was an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that stayed on my desk. So when, when I found, heard about the idea of the um, small notebook, and it doesn't have to be spiral, I just wanted to test it, and I had a spiral, so I used it. And it holds my pencil nicely, so I use it. Um, but I, I take my big mind map plan, my year plan, if you will, and just whittle it down so that I know what I have to do. So I actually have the year month by month where I say, okay, here are the deadlines of things I'm going to do. Here's the projects. And I've, I've learned I can only have three big projects in a year. Yeah. And if I, if I start doing more than that, then everything suffers. So the, the, 
the calendar tells me what my big projects are and then from that I can mind map how I want the month to look, the week to look. And then the day goes into my spiral notebook and the phone alarms are set and um, so that I don't that may not be enough detail for you. No, that's great. Now, how often tell me about like your daily interaction with the spiral note spiral notebook. Like how do you reference it? How do you use it? Like give me a couple examples of like a day-to-day use of your spiral notebook. I write down tonight what I'm going to do tomorrow because it's fresh in my mind of the thing and I look at my calendar because sometimes things get entered into the calendar when I that just are easier than writing it down on paper. So I, I will tonight, when we're done, um, I will list all the things that I'm going to do tomorrow, the people I need to touch base with, um, forward my projects. And then I dog, so tonight then I'll dog ear today's left corner so that I always know right where to open the book to. When I get to the office tomorrow, I open this and put it down on the desk so it's right there in front of me. And um, like I'm reading one of Tom Hartman's books right now, and that's on my to-do list. And I'll check check it that, okay, I did some reading in that. Um, I called somebody today. We had a wonderful conversation, and I crossed that out when it was done. So I've got a system of how to do that. I'm working on some presentations, and as I get ideas, I write that on the left page. And so when when I'm at home, uh, I'll be working on my vitamin distribution for tomorrow, and I go, oh, here's a thought. And I'll drop what I'm doing to write it down (laughs) and go back to it. So it's handy to have it with me all the time. Yeah, this, that's great. I like it, like the simplicity of it. So explain the left and right hand again. I want to make sure I get that clear. So the right-hand page um, is my to-do list. Yeah. So today is read Tom Hartman, read Expert Secrets, work on Mike Night Talk, um, and um, have the podcast with you. Oh, and then uh, I had another business call, two business calls. So that's on the right-hand page. Got it. The left-hand page is just for notes. Interesting. So like if somebody might call me and I'll write their phone number down. Um, on this page too. And so the one thing I didn't tell you is that not everything gets done. You know, I'm human. And as a volunteer EMT, I mean, I have already missed an ambulance call tonight. <laughs> Turned my phone off. I just saw the, the little icon pop up on my phone. Um, but that, that distracts me at times. And that's why I've learned I can't schedule eight hours worth of activity because invariably there's going to be 12 hours of stuff to do. I've learned I can schedule about 50% of that. And I still fill my day. But that means I need to go back through my week and the things that didn't get done. And Sunday's the day I do that. I start, okay, on Monday I'll, I'll finish these things. Got it. Got it. That's fantastic. Because that sounds like you've really taken the system of like having just like the two-page planner 
and it would have just like refined it down to the point where this is a usable, you know exactly how it's going to be used, you know when you have a thought, where it's going, and then you have a method of carrying those over to the next day. There's, there's a system in place for you know you've got one place where everything goes, and then you're focusing on utilizing that and just staying with that system day in, day out. And it sounds like it's working really well for you. It is. It is. And I have a friend who is major ADD. She makes me look like nothing. Um, But she developed a system 30 years ago of taking a big desk pad calendar. And that is her calendar. And she uses different colored pens. And she has a smartphone now, but refuses to change. She goes, no, I know how to use this and it works for me. That's it. You gotta yeah. have your, if you have your system and it works and it's simple enough that you maintain it, then you should stick with your system. If the system doesn't work, then obviously you need to like keep refining and refining until you find your yeah. particular method of doing Well, that's great. And I wanted to talk just quick briefly about mind mapping because you mentioned that. And I wanted to, first off, I appreciate you bringing it up in terms of having a system for utilizing it as a brainstorming tool. And I think the note that I have, and I think it was because of something either discussed in one of the workshops or um, one of the other podcasts I mentioned it, that I want to make this point really clear. Mind mapping is, is as far as I see it, is less about like a usable tool that you use as the final draft of whatever it is. It's more about utilizing as the process of getting things out of your head onto paper or onto software where you can look at it, arrange it, and adjust it so you can get clarity. I think that's a really essential point because I know some people will use mind mapping and they get overwhelmed and the the process is not about making a nice mind map and then having to go back to it and review it. It's more about the process itself of going through that exercise. And so I w- want to get your take on that. It is the act of writing the things down that really helps my brain sort it out and stay tuned. So I have the idea, I put it on paper, and and then do all those steps I told you about of here's the goal, here are its action items, and here are the times I'm doing it. Um, that cements it. And then to see it on my daily planner and have it on my phone, in my calendar, I'll say. That just makes it all work for me, beautifully. Fantastic. That's but you, a, it's, and, and you said that one of the big issues is being able to r- have them down on your, write it down, but then not feel like if you don't get a thou- like all of them done, you're not going to beat yourself up over it. No, there's no point in beating yourself up. The world will do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a big one, though. It's a lot of. I think there's a lot of people who are tuning in there. Like I used to have a system, but now the, the action item list has just become so overwhelming that I don't ever review it. It's just like in part. Some of them just like I don't even want to deal with that. What's your answer to that? Um, it's not a to-do list. Even though I have to-do written at the top of my page, it's not a to-do list. Um. It is action items for that forward my goals, get me closer to my goal end. Um, so if people are putting so much on there that it's overwhelming them, they're using it wrong. It's now it's become a honeydew list. So well, and this is where I think mind mapping comes in handy. Is it allows for the process of prioritization? 
is that you can go through, do a mind map, look at it, arrange things around, and then it's pretty easy to look at it and go, oh, like if you just go through the different quadrants, you can say, okay, that one's actually not that important. And you can pick out the ones that are like a one, two, I usually like one, two, or three. One being urgent, it has to get done. There's a timeline to it, got to get done. Two is, you know, pretty much you've got a little space to that, and three is just like anything else that's not urgent and not not relevant in, in, but you may really care about it. And so that you need to like, look at that and go, well, it's something that is not urgent. It doesn't have a lot of energy to it, but it really matters to me that I get that, that done. And sometimes our most important goals will fall into that third category. And it's so important to then take those and make sure those go on the calendar. And more importantly, as we'll talk about set creating habits that address those really important things that you care about but because the urgent items are constantly yelling at you they all it always gets pushed down down and down on the list and so i i find mind mapping and even some of the stuff we'll talk about on the workshop that we go through and try to figure out what are the priorities and you're putting in there those are being scheduled into your your daily weekly calendar so that you're doing them as a habit and not just as okay i'm going to fit it in between this and this Right. So, for example, my morning habit is uh, get up, brush my teeth, stretch, come to the office where I feed the cats, do my stationary bike and meditate. Um, and then my day starts. Uh, so that's that's a habit or a routine that energizes me and fuels me, keeps me healthy and happy. Yeah. And that's and, and that spirals over time. You keep going, you, keep going. Right. And it doesn't go into my my planner that's just i mean i don't put into my planner to get dressed but i manage to do it every day that's good now would you see for me i'd be like oh let's put that on the like on the planner so you can feel the satisfaction of checking it off the list (laughs) one of the things i would do i have a sheet somewhere and i haven't done it in a while but i had a sheet where every day i would do a morning routine especially do my meditation practice which was at one point was pretty substantial it was like 45 minutes yeah Uh, i would write the date down and i had it on one sheet of paper and then it turned into two sheets and the three sheets and now i have they're like these treasure artifacts where I can go back and look at them and look at the dates and just remember back to that point oh, and and so just having that like oh I did it and I with either exercise or things that you know that are really important to you to take that level of care is helpful and especially if you're writing it down sometimes that gives it a little extra juice of like oh I did it again I did it again I achieved it again so that would be just one note yeah, well, I you know, as you say that, I'm going, oh, yeah, I do have the biking in my calendar. I've been meditating so long that that's like getting dressed. But the biking is easier to, you know, oh, I don't have time for that today. And But the phone, the calendar re- reminds me that, yes, I do. But if if something has to give, it'll be the biking. Yeah. And that, and that happens too. It's like, that is, it's, I think there's that minimum amount you can do like that, that for a physical health and especially with cardio and things like that, that all hundred types, we need that. But then there's going to be times where you can shift things or like if you've gotten to your max for the week and you know, you're taking care of yourself, then there's things that can just be shifted around a bit. Especially if you, like you said, if you schedule space 
into your schedule where you're not just jam-packed which for some people that's hard because they have a family and there's a lot going on and so they don't have that luxury but I'd say if you have the luxury to do that you should definitely that's so important yeah so something I um, just thought of while you were talking about people being not overwhelmed necessarily but not doing some tasks they kind of keep sweeping to the side there's a book called only tens and the author's concept is we really only ever do the tens in our life if it's a nine and a half it never really quite gets to the top and at some point those projects will be important and they'll become tens but until they become a 10 we won't do it yeah when it's making it making the priority and sometimes i think with people who have especially if it's the the other projects it's the things that you most care about when you get to the point where it's so painful not to do them when you feel so bad that you're not pursuing them then they start to move up the ladder but i will say that if that that can shift if you work with a life coach or if you work like workshops or whatever you do that that brings you in touch with that sometimes that act helps move things up the, ch- the chain so that they become tense i that's been my experience with it yeah yeah so you because eventually you know because people live out their whole lives not doing things that they really care about that happens all the time sadly uh, oh. and, and oh, so that's the that's the d i mean to me that's and I, I i don't know about you but for as far as coaching goes that's like the big motivation is helping people maximize their life so that they they don't have those regrets later on right um th- that's very much what i'm into um yeah you know, my dad just died and it's it's hard to lose anybody you love and parents are especially hard. But five years ago, I realized my folks weren't going to last forever. And I made in a concerted effort to connect with them. I called them two and three times a week. I went out there. I'm six hours drive from them. And I would drive over there every two months and spend several days with them. I made sure I had no regrets. And it, it impacted business and stuff because I wasn't doing very much work until they went to bed and then I'd get work done. But um, that's a better way to sp- spend life, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. That's a big lesson. I'm really sorry to hear about your father, and oh, and thanks. but it sounds like you you maximized that. You showed up, and so you, it sounds like you have some peace around it. I am very much at peace about it. That's fantastic. That's a good. That's a sign you really made. Just going back to all this, like we we're talking about a lot of this in the abstract, but that's one of those examples of what do you put into your weekly schedule that really matters when you look back at your life? Yeah. 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 These... And so that, ahead, that was my, I guess that'd be my fourth project because, <laughs> but it was such a common thing that, uh, that was a goal and a project to be in touch with them. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the mission accomplished. It sounds like it, that, that has gone really well. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about planning for hunter type awareness in terms of when to schedule things. Uh, This is something we talked a lot about on the workshop, and this is something that I deal with a lot with coaching clients, and we alluded to it before. So what is your sense of, um, from your experience as a life coach, and especially for people that are hunter types, ADD, ADHD, 
when is the best time to do certain things in terms of like mundane tasks versus being creative? What has been your experience and what are your, some suggestions for the podcast listeners? Um, I take a slightly different approach than I think most coaches do. And that is, I don't say get up and do the most important things in the morning because not everybody's a morning person. So I'm finally realizing that those really brain, um, high demanding brain activities, um, the things that really need your focus, those should be done when you are at your most alert. Um, And you need to know that about yourself and that that goes into your calendar. You know, from two to four, I'm going to do these things. I'm a morning person. So for me, I want to do the important things, the creative things in the morning. I'm not sure I'm answering your question well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point is each person needs to have their awareness of what when they they do things best when are the times when they know they're going to be more likely to do them and when they feel less overwhelming and like you said some people aren't morning people um i've seen a tendency with a lot of hunters and again it just could be the people i've worked with that tend to have harder time as they go through the day like afternoons usually a bad time to do like really mundane tasks for for a lot of people but i so that's why i'm really curious to hear your experience with it that seems to have been a a tendency that i've seen i know i'm like that i think part of it is you know especially people if they have any kind of caffeine or you know or if they're even taking add meds they're there's going to be, yeah there's yeah. going to be times when it wears off but you make a good point which is that everyone's different and for for some people in the evening they they might like that's when we when they can do the most you know after dinner maybe they feel charged up and they can get some things done right and that's my husband he's he's more of the night owl um so he does his best work typically at night uh which makes it harder for we have to be really mindful to schedule our lives so that we schedule our dates because we're so busy. I'm a morning person. He's a night person. We're busy in the middle of the day. Um, And so the other thought, Michael, is as I've given up the things that would make me crash, alcohol and sugar and grains, um, I find that my energy is more consistent throughout the day. And I try and take hourly breaks. Um, so that I'm outside getting fresh air, I'm moving and um, keeping my body alert so that I don't have those crashes. That's fantastic. So do you find for yourself that you do, is there a time of day where you start to dip a little bit or do you feel pretty even throughout the day? I'm pretty even throughout the day. That's great. That's excellent. Uh, when I ate all those things that were bad for me, I mean, like clockwork at one or two o'clock, my eyes closed and there was nothing I could do about it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I'm curious to hear what your, what is like, especially your lunchtime. What do you usually have for lunch? What's like usually on the menu? Now this is slightly off topic, but I'm curious. <laughs> um, I don't have breakfast, lunch and dinner foods. I just have food. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Grace throughout the day. Well, but it's also, I mean, I, I yesterday I had um, spinach and red leaf lettuce with sardines on it for breakfast. Wow, cool! I had to fight the cats off, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have found these 
grain-free tortillas that I can smear with nut butters or coconut butter uh, and hemp hearts. And, and yeah. Um, and then if I'm feeling really sugared, yeah, I, I don't eat sugar. I'm 204 days without sugar at this end count. Fantastic. So is that no, like define no sugar? Um, it's predominantly no processed sugar. Actually, I'm, I'm going to say I'm 95% sugar free. If I come to your house for dinner and you serve me ribs with barbecue sauce, I'm going to be pretty sure there's sugar in that barbecue sauce. I'm not going to wash it off. I'm going to eat it. But I don't eat any desserts, candies, sugar, no processed sugar. But I have enough of a sweet tooth that I find I can't even eat dates without it triggering a, yeah, a sugar. Very high glycemic dates for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so no honey, maple syrup, agave syrup, any of that stuff. Wow. So, so you're strict. Well, I have to be because there's no such thing as a little bit of sugar for me. It's all or nothing. Um, but I consequently, my sweet tooth has changed a lot. Um, coconut butter or almond butter, whatever, with cocoa powder sh- sprinkled on it, tastes sweet to me. So when I want dessert, I'll take one of my tortillas and smear it with the butter, various nut butters and cocoa, and I feel like I've had like a chocolate pie or something. Fantastic! That's excellent. Very because you got low glycemic and you're also getting the healthy fats, which is really really important. The coconut, coconut milk, coconut butter, those are essential fat. And most people, I think, because they went through the '80s. And they heard all about like can't have any fat and fats. What fat is what makes you fat, which is not true. It's actually the refined sugar is actually what's making most people fat. Exactly, and the refined grains. Like we've talked about in the podcast, when you find the right diet, you're able to maintain it because it's giving you energy. You're in, it's emotionally satisfying. You can maintain it. You can and it keep and it feeds on itself because after a while you start to get a lot of energy and you want to keep going with that energy that maybe you were stealing from sugar in the past or from caffeine. Now you're actually getting it as like your physical body is being nourished and you're getting what you need to to function in your day. And then you don't want to let it go because it's this is really working now. Yeah. So it's the food and the walking. When I'm, if I feel my energy slumping, uh, either I need to do some deep breathing, so I'll do some stretches or just deep breathing exercises, or go on a walk. Yes, that's it. Movement, movement is essential. That, and, and I'm, I'm sure that really helps you just in terms of getting clarity on things and being yes. able to get out of whatever conundrum is happening in that moment. Yeah, I was trying to write an article. It's been months ago, and I knew I didn't quite have the right words, so I just paced back and forth in my office for about five minutes, and all of a sudden, I go, ah, that's the answer, and quickly run it down. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I know that feeling. That's fantastic. It's great, isn't it? Well, let's talk about habits, because I think that's a good segue into talking about maybe morning routines, uh, checking in with the, like the thing, the three ones that I always mention is like having some kind of morning ritual, morning routine, checking in throughout the day, like a midday routine, especially, and I'm thinking in terms of people that have like a nine to five job where they have to go and they have to, to function. And there's going to be like a, a lunch break at some point during the day. And then also a wind down time at the, at the end of the day. Do you want to share a little bit about your routine and also what you found works with some of your coaching clients? Uh, yeah, I actually have some coaching clients who resist the, the routines, that they're proud that they don't have them. It's like, well, okay, if that works for you. But um, my, root, my morning routine has evolved. Um, it's 
kind of gotten involved. For Wayne Dyer taught me to do the morning gratitude thing. So I, when I throw the covers back and put my feet on the ground, first thought is, thank you. And then I go look out the windows because remember those mountain views? I look out and, and if there's fog and snow or rain, I can't see them. But I look and I appreciate the scenery and say, thank you for another day here. Um, and I then I give thanks to, and this is maybe more than your re- listeners want, but uh, I give thanks for the chance to, for my, to serve my higher self. And I give thanks for the chance to me becoming a better person, working at it one more day. Um, and then I, then I do my um, brush my teeth and do my. I've got a an isometric uh, stretching thing that I do. It takes about five minutes, uh, maybe ten sometimes if I work it right. And um, and then it's it, then I meditate. I, I have to feed the cats first, but then I do my meditation and. Uh, jump on the bike and I watch a movie so it takes me a while to watch movies I listen to your podcast when I'm walking too um, so I watch I'll watch a movie 30 minutes at a time uh, while I ride my bike and then I jump into the office with my my notebook in front of me to go okay what have I got to do um, and I try to take hourly breaks but I don't uh, always succeed at that I'm but yeah, that's another problem. Another time we'll talk about. Uh, but my nighttime ritual um, is to review. Oh, oh, I keep a gratitude journal. That's another notebook I carry with me. So as as I see things and you know, beautiful sunrises or the coyotes howling, which I got to see today right outside my office window, um, I review all those things that I was grateful for. Oh, that's fantastic! I love that. So, yeah, it's um, so I do that and then I plan tomorrow. And um, well, so turn, is that towards the end of the day? So that's as you're winding down at the end that, of the day? That, basically, that's yeah, it's like 930 at night. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to be in bed while I do that. Uh, sometimes I'm spending time with my husband in front of the TV while I do that. I go, oh, hold on, Randy. <laughs> do my, my uh, gratitude thing during a commercial break or something. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. And it sounds so it sounds like you've got and I like the visual of being able to not have it be really heavy or so focused that you can't enjoy just hanging out with your husband. But at the same time, it's there. It's part of your routine and it's pleasant and you just sit down and you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Very inspiring. I love it. And also the the point that comes to me as you're talking about the gratitude journal is, you know, gratitude brings energy. Like when you're not, when you're in the space of, we've talked about this before on the podcast, when you're in space of gratitude, you're not in that grasping, oh, it's never enough. Everything's so bad. Like you're stopping yourself and saying, here's what I have. And even if you have a family, you can be grateful for your family and your kids and you can take the time to just absorb that experience and let it become more dominant in your consciousness versus all of the other things that don't feed you anyway, that just pull your energy down and frustrate you. And most of the time when you're thinking about them, you can't do anything about them in that moment anyway. So right. you're just wasting your energy. Whereas if you build, as you're saying, this habit of gratitude, you're actually giving yourself energy throughout the day. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, and there's one other thing that I've started recording in my gratitude journal. Uh, a friend once said, okay, we're going to have a week of, of a complaint-free week. So every time you complain about something, you have to mark it down. And I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. So I started doing it. And just by being aware that if I complain about this, I'm going to have to pull my book out and write it down. <laughs> it keeps me from complaining. That's and I sl- great. I like that. Well, so then I started... Um, I I don't want to live through excuses. If I don't want to do something, I want to be clear about it, at least for myself, if not for the person that it provided the thing that I don't want to do. Um, and and gossip is too easy to do. So um, and of course I'm tracking my sugar free. But the other thing, when I wake up in the morning, I note what's my energy level like um and it tends to run mine t- energy is not a problem for me generally um it it dropped a little bit when dad died but uh but it's coming back and some of my um, exercise routines dropped and as i put them back into place my energy is coming up um and i think tomorrow i'll be able to say my energy is strong again first thing in the morning Oh, I love it. That it, it sounds, that's another huge piece of just being able to allow life to happen and not let the systems be so rigid that there's. And it's so common, and I see it with a lot of the, the, my coaching clients, is that something happens and they're just, oh, it didn't work, and I fell off. And, and there's that shame of like, ah, oh, I tried to do this this week, but I fell. Off. And instead of it just being, oh, okay, life happened, and you just go, you just keep moving. And having that lightness, so I really appreciate that. That's such a good. You're just the way you said it is such a good, good model for um, for that. I really appreciated that. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, that's excellent. You've really, it's, I appreciate it. you've done a lot of work on yourself. I'm trying because, as you said uh, during one of our conversations, if I don't do it, how can I get anybody else to do it? You know, I can't tell my clients to do it if I'm not doing it. It's my feeling. Well, it sounds like you are definitely practicing it. So, well, this is excellent. This was great. Um, I wanted to wrap up um, briefly because we talked about the workshop experience. We have, we're going to be having more people come in. Would you mind talking about, I asked you before, because I didn't want you to feel like you're doing an ad for it, but it is really important because you've been in it now, how important it is to create a space for people to have that kind of support. So would you be willing to share a little bit about your experience taking the workshop, which was, I think you took it in September and that group was so great. I was so happy to, to connect with everyone. What a, what an amazing group, huh? And we're still connecting. Uh, That's what I love is that we're sharing the things that work. So the workshop, Michael, you've done an amazing job of creating a, a safe environment for people to, um, explore their ADD-ness. Um, you've got um, a structure, you've got specific information, but then you let us bring our issues into the conversation. And people are different. Um, what do I say? We're for, some people are further along the path of knowing and understanding their ADD than others. I mean, I've, I've only known for 10 months that Eight, eight to ten months that I have ADD, um, and some people have been at it for years. Uh, 
Um, and, and all of that came out in conversations. Um, different people had different things that they were strong with in the, the lessons that you were sharing. So um, yeah, Angel, for example, she would share one bit of stuff and then Zach would share other stuff. And um, it was, it, it all pulled together. I felt like we, you created like a little family in the course, but it was structured and informative and helpful with assignments to do that made, you made me think, Michael. <laughs> that's great well it was so great to have you on I mean, it really was just a pleasure you were you were you you gave a lot and i, I think the key piece that as i've been watching this unfold is that everyone's contributing their piece it's not just like everyone just sits and listens to me like it, there's a real sense that everyone is contributing in the satisfaction of just having one person. There were so many times where you or someone else in the group would be supporting someone else. And I'd be like, oh, I never even thought about that. Or I didn't even have that perspective. And I think a lot of times for us hunter types, there's a lot of empathy that we need for things that we've gone through. And so just getting just a little bit of that can just lift a lot of shame and give, like we were saying before, give us energy. So, um, it's what this is this is what keeps me alive and going um and talking to you this was just such an amazing interview and i really quick kid i really appreciate your awareness and your your work on yourself so clearly shines through and i also want to just give a plug to you and your life coaching work so kit's website is live in focused energy.com fantastic and anything you want to say in terms of um, your work that you want to share with people? Um, the approach I take to my coaching is first I help ADDers embrace their specific traits because once they've done that, they can then step into the structured coaching I do for high performance so that I help people find clarity, uh, grow their energy, um, rely on build their courage and um productivity and influence those five elements are core to high productivity and productivity doesn't mean work that means that you are doing what you want whether it's being a good parent a good a good sports person um a good retired person. I mean, do you want to sit in a recliner and wait for life to pass you by or when you're retired or do you want to go out and do stuff? Um, so that is what I'm – all of that is what people do is live life more fully, more mindfully. Yeah. Love it. So it's liveinfocusedenergy.com. You got it. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so, so much, Kit. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so pleased that you were able to make the time to do it. It's been a treat for me too, Michael. Thank you. So to wrap up, again, if you're interested in the workshop, visit AliveLifeCoaching.com or DrummerInTheGreatMountain.com. Click on the banner. Uh, we are a small press, so reviews are helpful. Uh, especially on iTunes and Goodreads. Uh, please uh, go, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, go there and maybe write a good review or share with them things that you would like to hear more from the podcast. Um, also, if you are new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first 20 episodes. We go chapter by chapter through the book, The Drum and the Great Mountain, and cover 
uh, each of those as an audio a companion to the podcast. There's over 45 hours of free podcasts, so definitely review and check a theme that you might want to listen to or something you're working on. That's a good way to experience this material. Uh, I want to thank you again, Kit, for being with us. And as always, be, be true and good to yourself. Be well. Be well.